This is the Life Truth Network. Truth Exposed, Episode 57. Truth Exposed, a feature of Quest for Truth where we take a deep dive into Scripture. Now located at life-truth.com. And now, here are your hosts, Keith Heltzley and Nathan Caldwell. Hey everybody, this is your host Keith. It's time for a Truth Exposed. I believe we are going to be uh, in John again in chapter 15. It looks like we'll be wrapping it all up this session. I thought we might have to break it off. But it really does flow. The scripture speaks for itself. I don't have to really supply an awful lot of extra commentary. Uh, but here we're going to go from uh, verse uh, 18 through 27. And of course, we will have our usual cast of characters pop again here. Our beloved co host, the ever absent <laughs> Nathan Caldwell. Uh, we'll have to get back in the studio. Uh, soon maybe after the 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 new year begins here Uh, we also have our most favored uh, longest east radio bible teacher of the airways jay verda mcgee Uh, his ministry still goes strong through the bible ministry that's ttb.org through the bible Uh, and uh, he does have all of his uh, five-year bible study plan plus extra uh Bible study helps uh, out there on iTunes. You can find it. It's been out there for uh, almost 10 years now. Uh, So it's out there freely available for folks to listen to, enjoy, and edify themselves. And I hope you do. And when you do, make sure you do let uh, Through the Bible Ministries know what you think about their ongoing uh, ministry. Well, with all the credits due, uh, I don't believe we have any a um, Bible challenges until next chapter, so it'll there will be that. Uh, but for now, let's go ahead and get started without any further ado. Uh, right after a quick message from the good folks there at Christian Podcast Community dot com, which we are a part of and humbled to be uh, included. Uh, here's some great voices and great theologians and. Uh, at all manner of topics, uh, and some will sound like these right here. Hi, this is Jonathan coming to you from my walk-in closet in the small town of Manheim, Pennsylvania. Welcome to Small Town Theologian, a show devoted to digging into the Heidelberg Catechism and Ecumenical Creeds, not just to better understand foundational truths, but to seek to apply them to the rhythm of everyday life. May your life be shaped by what you learn. I'd love for the show to reach more people. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, would you please rate the show? Also, share the podcast with a friend. Thanks for supporting the show. Now featured on the Christian Podcast Community. ChristianPodcastCommunity.org Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, where we seek to equip the church to understand and live out its faith. I'm your host, Stephen Dew. I'm the preaching pastor at South Caraway Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Arkansas. We want to thank you for joining us today, and let's get right to today's episode. 
Dea Gloria. Are you just watching? When you gather the family around the TV, are you prepared to use your biblical worldview to discuss what you see with your spouse and kids? It takes a little practice to not just watch. Are You Just Watching? The Entertained Christian's Handbook to Consuming Media with Purpose is a guided journal with worldview-shaping info and lots of guided note pages to help you watch and discuss anything you put before your family's eyes. Purchase it now on Amazon.com. And don't just watch. Main Topic We'll be looking at... Uh, John 13, 18 through 27, if we can manage that here. And we're going to start with a bit of a summary. First of all, Jesus used the metaphor of the vine to call his followers into obedience from him, using imagery such as God the Father, the vine dresser who cleanses, and and prunes, and the call for discipleship is simply to uh, be bearing fruit. The disciples are to have a relationship together as well as with God, and evidence is love one for another. They're supposed to be in an equal partnership, not only together, but with Jesus. Uh, they no longer are you know, called servants. They're called, uh, you know, partners. Um, now, as we begin our look here at 18, we'll see a different relationship that the d- disciples have, particularly here with the world. In verse 18, if the world hates you, you know it hated me before it hated you. And all we can find about this is that the world is from the word cosmos, it has a wide range of means. It could mean the universe. It could mean cultural uh, society norms at large, or or people, uh, uh, particular people, individuals. Uh, in this case, the context would be uh, those who are unbelieving or even indifferent people towards God. Uh, you know, there's no neutrality, as they say. You're either uh, for or against, especially when it comes to God. Uh, the world hates. The word there for hate is where we get our word nemesis. And Jesus came in love, and the natural reaction of the world is to be his nemesis, to be his enemy. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Uh, verse 19, if you were of the world... The world would love its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own, but because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Why, you have two worldviews. You have the worldview of the world and the worldview of the Christian. You have the ones who follow the world and Satan, and the evil things, and the fleshly things. And you have the ones that follow Christ. There's a big difference there. Beware again of the Christian who's popular with the world. A child of God cannot be popular with the world. 
To me, that was always the test of whether a Hollywood star was converted. I taught the Bible class there quite a few times many years ago, and I always used that as a barometer. How are they loved by the world? The world won't love a real child of God. Cannot. Now, now it's an if-then statement, if the world... Uh, if you're of the world, then the world would love. The world loves because you're of it. But, the, the word but, there is contrary-wise. On the contrary, Jesus has called his disciples out of the world. This is what makes us not of the world. We are in, in the world. We are of the world. We're human beings. But we're set apart, not because something we did, not because something we want, because something that Jesus did for us, he chose, he called out. Verse 20, remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Now that would kind of imply that there could be some people in the world who do listen to the truth of his word, but by and large, uh, because... Uh, following Jesus is not a free ticket out of the world because uh, the servant should never expect to have better treatment than the master. If you're going to have a name and claim it, you're going to be claiming all the the mess Jesus went through. Now, whether the servant here is loved or hated uh, by the world, it's not the servant's doing. It's because the servant is... Uh, reflecting the master, the servant is carrying out that mission. Uh, the attitude is directed towards master. Verse 20 says, Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. 21. For all these things they will do to you for my name's sake because they do not know the one who sent me. And I don't have a lot of comment here other than the EBC, the Expositor's Bible Dictionary, makes a remark that uh, the obstinance of the world is both intellectual and spiritual uh, here. And this is why the world doesn't accept Christ. They do not know the one who sent him. They do not know the one who sent him, and yet they're obstinate over what? Knowledge? Remember, it uh, was knowledge in the garden that led to man's downfall on that original sin. Uh, it was, wasn't simply eating a fruit. It was uh, rebellion, and it was seeking to acquire knowledge. And there are those who say knowledge is man's crowning achievement. But it is actually uh, his downfall is knowing too much. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. Verse 22. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. But now they have no excuse to ascend. Now, they, uh, that's kind of a hard saying, if you ask me. Because people still sin. People sinned before Christ got here. The Old Testament was all about sinning, defining sin. But he says, if I had not come, 
and spoke to them, they would not have they would not have sin, but now they have no excuse for it. In other words, as smart as people were and are, you get too comfortable in your sin and you don't recognize that sin. Jesus shines that light on that sin and it becomes easily recognized. I was uh, uh, told of an analogy where uh, if you go in your basement and you turn on a light, you see rats in the cellar. Where'd they come from? Uh, well, they were already there. <laughs> the sin was already there. Uh, you just didn't see him until you rushed down and turned the lights on. Now, if you had made a lot of noise on the approach, well, that would have scared the uh, the sin undercover. And Jesus kind of took the world by surprise when he came, uh, exposing the the darkness of sin with his light. Uh, but if I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. And what he's saying is, I shed a light on something they really would have rather kept hidden. But the people could no longer remain comfortably in the dark because Jesus uh, shocked the system, as it were. Uh, now, the, again, the expositors' Bible dictionary adds another reason for this obstinance of sin. And they say that uh, it's resentment over exposing that sin and hypocrisy. And that's true. People don't like it when you point out, you know, that thing you're doing is wrong. Uh, uh, who are you to say? They might tell you. Well, uh, well, God, for one, uh, the Bible clearly states many times that certain things are just uh, not uh, correct, that they are indeed sin. They do indeed go against his will uh, and desire. Uh, in verse 23. Verse 23 says, He that hateth me hateth my father also. Whoa, now hold on a minute. The only way to God is through Christ. Reject Christ, you also reject all of God, period. They may say otherwise, but it doesn't change what God himself said when he was with us. All these people, oh, we serve the same God. We just don't believe Jesus is who he said he was. Folks, you're not, you're not, you're not serving God at all. Because if you don't have the Son, if you reject Christ, you reject the Father. It says, he who hates me hates my father also. Now, Jesus has spent a lot of time establishing a relation that he comes because of the father. He does what the, he sees the father doing. He only does what he sees the father doing. And to reject one is to reject the other. Uh, you can't pick and choose. You have to take the whole package. If you... Uh, or one who says, oh, I'm all for the, the loving God of the New Testament, Jesus. But what about that uh, harsh and wrathful God of the Old Testament? I don't like that guy. It's the same. God is still that same God, even in the loving New Testament. But you have to understand that God hates sin. Sin incurs wrath. You can be a loving person. But if you cross that line of rebellion and unrepentance, then you incur the wrath, even from that loving person. And with 
without Jesus as our Savior and King and Messiah, the anointed one, uh, we don't have a chance. Uh, and as long as we refuse to accept Jesus, all we have is to face God's wrath. But Jesus says you can't have one. It's a, it's a complete package. You can't love Jesus and hate God. You can't love God and hate Jesus. You, the, that relationship is tight knit. There. In verse twenty four, if I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have sinned. But now they have both seen and hated me and my Father as well. In other words, he didn't have to come. He didn't, and when he did come, he didn't have to do all the, the mighty signs and deeds and great works, but he did do those because these, those were the things that the Jewish people required to understand who their coming Messiah was. They saw everything. They had every sign that they requested from the Old Testament, but they still refused, and they hated him because he exposed how bad and evil they are. They were, and we are still today, for exposing the truth. Hey, you know what? Uh, men can't give birth to, to babies, and women can't become men. So if you hate that, you don't hate me. You can hate on me, but you don't hate me. You hate Jesus. You hate God if, he, if that truth uh, upsets you. Verse 24, if I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. You see, the Lord turned the light on. Anyone turns the light on, why, the thing's going to happen. The rats and the snakes and the bugs and the lizards hate it, and they're going to run for cover, and they'll hate the one who turns it on, by the way. But, you know, once you know something, it's hard to unknow it. Once you've seen something, it's hard to unsee it. And clearly, uh, this resistance uh, and obstinance is because of their sinful behavior that Jesus revealed and continues to reveal. He says they hated me without a cause. No reason for it. 25, but they had done this. To fulfill the word that was in their law, they hated me without a cause. And Jesus is quoting there. I don't have a lot to say other than I'll read you this uh, full uh, verse from uh, uh, Psalm uh, 69, uh, verse 4. And I saw a reference to Psalm 35, but I, I didn't look it up. But this, this one will do right here. Uh, Those who hate me without a cause, are more than the hairs on my head. So he, he just took the first part of that first line. They hate me without a cause. How many of them? More than the hairs on his head? Uh, now, how many hairs did Jesus have on his head? Probably pretty close to what you and I have. I suppose scientists could estimate that number to like millions or billions or trillions. Uh, there's more people that hate Jesus that hairs on a head, on a human head. Uh, the, the verse goes on. I want to keep on reading this. Now, Those who would destroy me are powerful. They are wrongfully my enemies. What I did not steal, I had to restore. In other words, 
Jesus didn't steal anything. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus didn't steal it, but he's here to end it. He's here to restore it. Uh, it he emphasized the phrase without cause, but there's uh, also good to point out that he claims his enemies are powerful and they're in the wrong. Uh, it, in other words, you don't discount the devil and his demons. They're powerful. They are powerful, uh, but they're wrong. They are in the wrong. Verse 26. Now he gives this wonderful word. When the Comforter has come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And the way that you tell whether the Spirit of God is working is whether he's glorifying Christ or not. When the Helper comes, who I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will testify about me. Now, it's when, not if, the Spirit comes. It's when the Spirit comes, he'll be sent from God. He'll be the Spirit of truth when he comes. And, of course, now the Spirit already had come. We know about Pentecost at this point. The disciples did not. He's trying to prepare them. Uh, that He has to go away. But when he goes away, this comforter, this Paraclete is the Greek word, parakletos, something like that. Uh, he will be uh, the, the one who comes. Uh, it will be a witness, a witness of love and grace. The, the love and grace of God is who do it. the Spirit will be a witness of. Uh, verse 27. And ye also shall bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. The apostles bore a particular witness that no one else could bear concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will testify also because you have been with me from the beginning. Now, uh, Jesus is including the disciples in his witness, or maybe another commentary I was just looking at, stated that the uh, Spirit by itself uh, could do all the testifying but it would be uh, restricted or limited uh, it will, uh, in the way it worked if it was only up to the testimony of men of the disciples it would also be uh, even more limited and restrictive uh, but when you combine the two, you combine the human experiential element with the spiritual testimony. Uh, it has a lot more impact. And one final thing I didn't point out earlier, but the word testimony uh, or witness, uh, the, either way you want to, to translate that out of the, the original, it's a word where we get the word martyr. Now we think of Oh, the martyrs over there in the Middle East, uh, they're dying for a cause. Well, and, and you kind of brings up a, an image of people just throwing themselves on the grenade to uh, save their squad. They martyred themselves to do this uh, thing above and beyond them. That's what it's kind of maybe come to mean. But a martyr means you're here in court, you're telling the truth, 
on pain of death. <laughs> you had a sword to your throat, pistol to your head. Okay, tell us the truth. We'll know if you're lying, and uh, you'll all die if we think you're lying. Uh, this is what the original term martyr meant. You witnessed something that you're willing to die for. Uh, you would go to court uh, on pain of death. You would tell your the truth of what you've seen, what you experienced. And these disciples were going to be put in this position to testify the truth about what they've seen and witnessed and lived through from the time they began following Christ. And they'll be doing it with the power of the Holy Spirit uh, to enable them, to comfort them, to encourage them, uh, the, the paraclete, the the one who comes alongside and puts the arm around you to encourage you. Uh, this is who the Holy Spirit is. And they were promised him by Jesus in these verses. And we uh, understand that we know that he was given and we have him till today. And that uh, rounds out our chapter. And it rounds out my notes on these verses. So stay tuned next time, and we'll uh, turn the page and begin with uh, chapter 16. This is the Bible Sojourner, where we discuss issues related to the Bible, theology, and culture. I'm your host, Peter Gaiman, professor of Old Testament and biblical languages at Shepherd's Theological Seminary. Shalom and welcome. Thanks for joining. You can also find out more about me and the Bible Sojourner blog and podcast at petergaiman.com. And you can also find out more about Shepherd's Theological Seminary at shepherds.edu. Who knows? Maybe you could take a class with uh, Mike and I. So I look forward to uh, seeing your interactions with this book online. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. The good news is Striving for Eternity would love to come to your church to spend two days with your folks teaching them biblical hermeneutics. That's right, the art and science of interpreting scripture. The bad news is somebody attending might be really upset to discover Jeremiah 2911 should not be their life verse. To learn more, go to strivingforeternity.org to host a Bible interpretation made easy seminar in your area. Commands of Christ, presented by Nathan Caldwell. Keeping the commandments of Jesus, it's simple yet profound, but Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. It's, it's simple, but think about it for a minute. People say, oh, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, but are you doing what Jesus wants you to do? Are you following the will of God as stated in the Bible. Because, uh, Keith, there are a lot of people now that claim to love Jesus, but there are certain verses in the Bible that make them uh, uncomfortable. Another thing is, and the way I said that before um, was more directed at others, but I think it should also be directed internally. Um, do I love Christ? Am I talking about myself, 
And others need to ask themselves the question, am I keeping his commandments? How much do I really love Christ? And do we ever love him enough? No. But I'm telling you, we need to self-check quite often. That was Commands of Christ, presented by Nathan Caldwell. Quest for Truth, now located at life-truth.com. What does it really mean to love your neighbor as yourself? Confusion or faulty beliefs on this point will result in nothing more than pain and relational carnage. Christians must submit their understanding of love to God's revealed word. Love is not a feeling. Love is not tolerance or acceptance or ambivalence. Love is not merely romance. Love is a universe-altering choice to want and work toward God's best interest for the people in our lives, whether they want it or not, because that's how God loves us. The one true God of the universe has existed since eternity past in ultimate perfection. He spoke the cosmos into existence for his soul, honor, and glory. He moved heaven and earth to redeem mankind, even though we have nothing to offer him. And he's given us everything we need for life and godliness in his word. He deserves our worship. He deserves our adoration. He deserves our praise. I'm your host, A.M. Brewster, and this is the Celebration of God. If you want to know God better, celebrate Him more, and help the ones you love to do the same, subscribe to this podcast and visit celebrationofgod.com to learn more about this dynamic discipleship resource. And remember, the Celebration of God is a listener-supported ministry. All right, well, as mentioned, we'll be getting uh, next chapter, uh, next go-round. Uh, so we do this once a month, so stay tuned. We always try to get these posted on the first Monday of the month. And so watch for that. We'll return with more uh, gospel message as Jesus continues to preach to his disciples in his final days here. So with all of that, this is Hillary Keith saying, I am out of here, signing off. Thanks for listening. Uh, tell a friend about us. That really is how we grow audience most. And uh, you know what? Here's Anthony Rousseau to tell you all about the context, call to actions, uh, so you can do just that. So once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Visit life-truth.com where you can find all our shows. Leave a message or call our voicemail number at 401-753-4844. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash life truth page. Follow us on Twitter at capital H, capital P, capital N, capital C, A-S-T. Everything Nathan Caldwell does can be found at facebook.com forward slash protectors of the book. Music in the show is used by permission of Kevin Zerby at zerbinator.wordpress.com. May the word of Christ dwell on you richly. May you find everything you need. And if you don't know Jesus, your greatest need is a Savior. Thanks for listening.